Jun wanting to go deep. And he's got him! Jamison Williams eating up the yardage again. 81-yard reception. Here's a big hole. Look out, he is gone! Travion Henderson. And hand of Reese Hall. Reese Hall! Welcome back to Burning the Red Shirt. I'm your host, Zach Tao. Here with me is Chris K and Andrew Katz, as always. Um, you guys doing all right tonight? As good as ever. Nice. Good, man. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of excitement to start yeah. this one. All right. <laughs> so, this is the all right. All right. Do we want to kick this one off recording again? on Monday night, right? I mean, some, yeah. some of us actually had a real grind of a Monday, meetings all day. And then, like, come home and have to go to your real job at eight thirty at night. So, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. All right, well, let's jump right into it then. Um, the big topic over the last, I'd say, week or so was the whole Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher, um, back and forth. You know about the transfer portal and paying players and so on and so forth. Um, Andrew, how do you feel? Like, do you think that Nick Saban's got valid points, or do you think he was out of line? So I tweeted my 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 thought-provoking remarks on this, in, buried in a, a reply to uh, a, a guy who does the Flipping the Field podcast. I don't even remember his name. It's not not Patrick. It's the, his co-host, but um, and it just got buried in there. And I I I didn't I didn't have the the gall to tweet it out in a way that actually would get real engagement because I, I feel like it's just going to be met generally with disdain and disagreement. But my thoughts overall are that this is Saban reached the end of his rope when it comes to this sort of thing, I think. And I maybe it's just, maybe it's purely conspiratorial, but my, I think that losing out on Addison was the final straw and he, something snapped. And that's what triggered this uh, this speech during whatever tour he's on right now. I, I don't know if it's like a booster related tour or to like get, get money into the program or something like that. But so that's what I think was the the trigger for this. But I think that I don't know when me personally, I always like as someone who lives to compete and aspires to um, always improve, not only from a physical perspective when it comes to competition, but mentally as well. I think it's interesting to look at the people who are at the top of their game in whatever craft they're in and not just look at them through the prism of how they how they are acting when they are winning, but when they're losing, how are they reacting in that moment? And I I think in some ways it's awesome to see like to see Saban actually act like a human being, like a, a and throw a temper tantrum in this regard because he's generally been above the fray throughout his career. Like I I he earned and I know my book's important to him. He earned respect in, in my book when, with how he processed losing to Georgia in the national title game. Like he did, he, he handled it really well, I thought. Um, but not like all, not all all time greats handle situations like that very well. As a huge tennis fan who grew up watching Federer, uh, Nadal, who continue to, through modern science and whatever drugs are getting ingested into their bodies, continue to dominate, right? I remember Federer, watching Federer, the first time he really 
looked human it felt like was in the in the range of like to that somewhere around 2010 in the u.s open when he lost in the final to juan martin del potro he threw an absolute temper tantrum on the court and i was like this is this is this is it this is this guy who walks around like a, a golden god at all times we're actually seeing what it's like when he's losing to someone who maybe isn't Nadal, right? Isn't the, someone who he considers to be his all-time rival. And this is this guy actually having to process uh, disappointment, that unexpected disappointment and what it feels like to be human. And I think this is Saban's moment like that, where you've seen, I've, I'm sure you've seen the tweets about it as well with people talking about how the playing field is now level, right? Uh, in a lot of ways when it comes to recruiting and Saban now has to play by everybody else's rules. I think that's up for debate um, in a lot of ways. And we don't even have access to all the information to be able to actually make a statement like that, but pre presuming that there's some sort of truth to it, right? That's it's funny to see that this is potentially how Saban is reacting to that, those realities. So the way I look at it is kind of like what you said there at the end, like, Everybody else is caught up to him more so in terms of recruiting power. Like before Saban could walk into somebody's living room and said, you'll be in the NFL in four years. Like, and for the most part, he was fairly accurate with that statement. So now he has, he doesn't have, I mean, he has that pull still, but if other schools can pay money to level that level, the playing field, then I think, like you said, it's, I don't know if I would call it a temper tantrum, but I would call it he's he's realizing that it's going to be much harder to just go in and say, hey, come to Alabama because you'll be in the NFL in three, four, five years versus, hey, Texas A&M or whoever is going to pay you a million dollars to come here. So, Chris, what do you, you got any thoughts? This is it's an interesting subject because there's so many ways to like look at like saving right now and i just had not thought about it like you guys had like i think obviously the playing field is more level but like i think ultimately a lot of schools maybe a m especially have gotten good recruits and not done anything so like why is anything different right like i was looking at i was you know andrew was laughing that i had a slow monday and uh this weekend I was just screwing around and I was adding players to my like draft room for these off season <laughs> supplemental drafts, which shows you how slow my weekend was. And A&M's got everybody, but like A&M's always had everybody, right? Like what did Bama recruit? Like they're, they weren't like a 25th Raider class. Like they're like top five still. So why are we like, okay, so A&M has the number one class or number two class. Like, is it that much different than in the years past, especially considering Bama is also a top five class? Like, I don't, if anything, it's like, I, if I'm saving, I'm just like, you're really annoying me <laughs> and you want to do this shit, then I'm going to do this shit. Sorry to go not safe for work. I did it within the first seven minutes, but <laughs> that's the first time I've done it this time. So I just don't see why, like, ultimately, Saban is Saban and he's been at this level for a reason and he's been at Bama forever and he's always won and Bama right. was not winning beforehand. So like, I don't know why we think that this is like a going to trigger a decline potentially of it yeah. definitely isn't A&M that's going to change anything. I don't think it's necessarily a decline of Alabama. He's still going to get players. I don't think that's up really for debate. I think um, the way I look at it too is, Texas A&M is the best school in Texas, right? 
So, I mean, just, some people might argue, but A&M right now is is the place to be if you're going to stay in state in Texas. So there's a ton of players in Texas, so why wouldn't they get a majority of them? Yeah, I don't think what set them off was an aggregated rankings comparison of right. themselves to A&M. It's losing recruiting battles to these schools on specific players that he wanted and he's not getting and that I think and and it was because of money. Right. I think you're probably right, Andrew, that it like the Addison thing triggered him to say something, but yeah. he didn't lose into AM. Right. And I and I don't think yeah. Bama's got the money within their boosters to compete for sure with like an AM or Texas. But like how many schools do and then compare the recruiting classes plus the coaching staff plus the success in the last 10 years. I still would take Bama paying $5 million to all their players over AM paying $20 million to all their players like to get them all. Like, I don't think like AM is going to have a sick recruiting class, but like, how many of them are transferring in a year or two? Because like they realize that Jimbo is Jimbo, right? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I just. Like, yeah, it's not good for Bama. Like, like we talked about this a couple of weeks back, I guess, with, like, Georgia, how, like, this stuff isn't good for Georgia because Georgia, like, recruits and does everything and they don't need any help. Like, so, yeah, of course, like, it's going to level the playing field maybe closer to the mean, but it's it's still going to pro – it's going to be pro-Bama. It's still going to be pro-Georgia. It just yeah. means that maybe A&M is – a tick closer than they were three years ago. Yeah. The good coaches, the good teams are going to get good players. I mean, it, that's just the way it's going to be now. It's just the teams that are above average, trying to become a good team, have a better chance of becoming a good team because they can pay their way. Well, they've always been, been able to do that, but now it's more open that you can do that. Um, any final thoughts? I, uh, yeah, I'm going I want to finish this on and then sharp turn yep. as well. So I think he Saban in his speech was or his rant was railing on about paying players at, in general and then cited examples of A and M and Jackson State, right? Called out Dion as well. So I think that the the theory works that Addison pushes him over the top brings it to a boiling point where he wants to actually talk about this subject and, and give his thoughts on it. And then he cites those specific examples um, of A&M and Jackson State. Jackson State, though. So I think I think what Dion is doing so many good things as a coach. Like, I'm so interested in what his next stop is. And I assume there is a next stop in the not-too-distant future. Like, came in immediately started recruiting awesome players through various means. I think his gravitas and his presence and just his ability to walk into a room wins him so much talent, no question asked. And then also using all the different means to ends um, of NIL partnerships that he has with uh, different companies and stuff to bring in more players and talent immediately. And his bloodlines as well, right? Brings in Shadir or however you say his name, uh, the, his son as a, as the top QB recruit immediately starts winning games. They won like 10 games last year. Right. Uh, and now I think most impressively, I don't know if this is like, this flew totally under the radar. I don't even know how it wound up in my feed, but 
I, I read an article that basically coming out of last year, he realized like my offense sucks. Like, and if you look at the, the box scores, they lost one, they lost one or two games. And one of them was the, our boys, Louisiana Monroe and Shadir had like 84 yards passing. They lost the game like seven to three or like 10 to seven. Like it was just, I can't even imagine watching that game. Uh, and the offense largely was like pretty stagnant relative to the talent level that they had, even though they were winning games. Like, a lot of coaches, I think, in that scenario were like, I won 10 games. I'm cool. Let's just let's run it back. But Dion recognized at the conclusion of last season, like my offense sucks to get things where I want them to go. I need to can my OC and lean into potentially not my not my closest network, not that which I know best, and just want to lean into what is going to ultimately make me successful. So calls up Mike Leach and he's like, yo, Mike, do you have a candidate to come in and run my offense? And Mike's like, yeah, I got this kid, Brett Bartalone, who was a wide receiver on my team at Wazoo like six years ago. Kid washed out because he uh, had numerous injuries, been coaching overseas, been doing all kinds of things. Bring him in to run your offense and let him just run the air raid because it's going to be awesome. He's going to be a great coach. And, And Deion's like, yeah, sign me up. Let's do it. So Deion brought this kid in. Uh, to be the OC this year. And it, it sucks that we can't let Jackson State into uh, into fantasy this year uh, for unless maybe, maybe we'll get them on a, a DFS slate if they're on like a midweek or something and, and we can low key uh, roll out their, their air raid. But I'm, ex- I wanted, I'm excited to see how it plays out because I think it is very uncommon that you see uh, coaches do that, right? A, go away from something that just won you 10 games be not necessarily just go with uh, someone that you may already have as a connection or have experience working with. Um, so I think he's checking all the boxes to not just succeed at Jackson state, but line himself up for an awesome job uh, in the next season or two. Okay. Gonna, so, so where do you think he ends up? Here's, I was just going to say like, your shot. I mean, think about this is maybe a transition into another conversation, but like, Florida State's not very good. And uh-huh. like their coaching, they fired the one guy. Um, who's that? The USF guy, wasn't it? Willie Taggart. Taggart. Yeah. And no uh was Jay Norvell right now. He's done like Mike Norvell, same, same. Uh has has done worse since in like more time. In, like it's probably not gonna get better this year. Is it did like this Dion almost need like another year? Like, Aaron, hey, Norvell, win just enough to last one more year to line me up to smooth transition. But, like, if – I mean, like, why wouldn't he go to FSU? And well, like, they burned so many bridges with him, right, during the last uh, coaching cycle when he wanted to go there, right, and they were just like – But, I no. I mean, that's, like, unrealistic, right? Like – They need to go on national TV and apologize as, as an administration to Dion and beg him to go to Florida State. Yes, <laughs> but, like, you can't blame him – you can't blame FSU. They've made a lot of bad decisions in the last 10 years. <laughs> but you can't blame them. Like, oh, yeah, hire the guy that has zero coaching experience to be your head coach. Yeah. Like, you right. can't actually blame them for that. Like, that's actually a reasonable decision that they've made. It just hasn't worked out. And by the way, like, Dion's been a coach, what, one or two years? Like, we don't know that he's actually going to be legit. We just know that he's had great success at Jackson State. Like, Come on. Well, like, he's, I'm on board. He's recruiting and, all and he the kids there. there. I'm, I'm transfer. Yeah, and he could take he could take the number one guy there too. 
I mean, like, how many of these great recruits that he's getting last over a year and a half there, two years? Like, the number one recruit, he's going there for Dude, one he's year. Gotten right? so like, much, he's gotten so much. So much FBS transfer talent and not just like dudes who are cast off the rosters. Like his first recruit was Keith Corbin, who had who could have started at any number of, of uh, FBS schools. How long do you think the number one recruit that went there goes there? Yeah, he's going with Dion to the next stop. You're right. The Florida State, right? So yeah. he's recruiting them to then eventually take them with him. Yeah. To wherever he goes. Wherever he goes. So. Yeah. I think Florida uh, State's solid. I, it's a good call. If it's not FSC, where was the rumor last year, right? Mm-hmm. I remember that TCU. Yeah. Like it was not actually not even that that long ago. Yeah, it, when before they hired Dykes. Yeah. yeah, isn't? I mean, he feels like such a Florida guy that I feel like it has to be a Florida school, right? Yeah, I mean, does yeah. does a big time program and Florida State's a big time program? Do they make that splash, or is it going to be? Florida Atlantic, or is it going to be? I South think yeah, he's not. He's not messing around with with FIU like, or with FAU, G5 school yeah. at this point. After <laughs> after this upcoming year, no, it's. I it, think he's with it being FSU. Like FSU couldn't just hire some FCS school or a head coach, but like because it's Dion and his pedigree and what he's done, and like. The fact that he's obviously an FSU legend, you can get away with it. Like FSU can justify yeah. that. I don't yeah. think a lot of big programs can justify hiring Dion this next offseason, but right. I don't know. It feels like that's like the easy connection. Yeah. All right. So I want to transition. Um, this, hopefully, this is the last time we talk about him until like the season is uh, upon us. But um, <clears throat> Addison picking USC. Um, we want to talk about the fantasy relevance of it. He isn't going there to be the number two, number three option. He's the number one option, I would have to think. So in terms of fantasy, what does that mean for the Gary Bryants, the Taj Washington, and the um, Mario Williams uh, fantasy stock? Andrew, Chris? So the, the problem is Jared and Josh already like covered this topic perfectly on – the podcast that they just put out today. Oh yeah. I like I was totally off Addison at Pitt. The idea that like him being drafted early second round or second round generally speaking in the all the drafts we were doing, I, that was not gonna pan out. I think that if he stays at Pitt, he was going to have uh, a bad year by his standards. His draft stock was gonna plummet. He was going to bust fantasy and now all those luck boxes that took him when he was at Pitt get bailed out so good for them uh but no he's gonna ball out at usc it's gonna be great for him um compared to what he was going to do uh at Pitt, it's stock way up i think i i feel a little more comfortable with mario williams now weirdly than before just because i think based on limited uh limited uh, exposure to what we saw last year. He didn't really strike me as uh, a target hog WR1 type guy, but I I feel like his draft stock comes down a little more, and I'm fine taking where he's going in the probably mid-teens to late-teens draft round. 
minimal, minimal risk there. And I think he settles in nicely as the WR2. I am, this is an interesting conversation because before this past year, we where was Jordan Addison being drafted? Because Kenny Pickett was not good before last year. As a Kenny Pickett, you know, as the, the guy that can fully understand the scope of Kenny Pickett's talent and scope, but I can say this, but like he threw 13 touchdowns two years ago. It's a shortened season, but like still, like no one saw that coming. And I'm not saying Keaton Slovis would have been that great, but like no one saw Pickett coming and then Pickett came, right? So yeah, like but- I'm not saying that Jordan Addison would have been some superstar first or second round talent, but I don't think it would have been much far off. Like he's very, very good in an offense in college in a bad conference that would have just fed him the football. And I'm not saying that Slovis would have thrown 40 touchdowns, but like he would have thrown enough. And it's like, a different offense that hit this year. It's not Mark Whipple's offense anymore. But it's still college. Like they still hammer the same good player. Like who else is getting no. targets and usage in that offense? It's my only thought. Yeah. It, I, don't, I don't know. I, so, how do you feel about the other guys at USC? That I guess that's kind of what we know. Addison's not going there to to mm-hmm. take a back seat. So, this, this you want to flush out uh, Chris's Gary Bryant take and Taj Washington? Yeah, I think both of them are like very sketchy now. Now you need some help, <laughs> you know. Like now you need <laughs> the guy to go in the water twice, you know. You know, like this is not going to be a great situation. But you know, the upside was there pre-transfer um all it takes is an injury i'd like if you're talking about like a receiver two that like doesn't worry me compared to others it's probably mario williams right like and that's a great offense to be in so is it a great situation no is it like you're dead in the water no like i think gary bryant or taj washington could be relevant like the thing is right like everybody has transferred to usc as a receiver (laughs) they have so many guys at this point it's actually obnoxious uh i'm very interested to see where mario williams goes because i think andrew's right like that's a really interesting option pending where he goes so we'll see what happens in terms of adp and where he moves but uh you know i'm in i'm in the mock draft friday so should i screw this all up and just take him real early or should i just not take him at all and just see where he goes i think you have to not take him at all and see where he goes okay we actually haven't even discussed that mock draft, how we want to attack it as a, as a team here. <laughs> Good luck. Jesus, take the wheel. Right. All right. Um, Andrew, you brought up a um, topic. You want, you want to go back to Dion? <laughs> if you got something else to add about Dion. No. Okay. No, I'm good for now. Um, we had a topic pre-show and I'm, I'm struggling to remember what it was. Um, but, oh, the, um, discussion you guys had about, oh um, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> the Twitter, the Twitter back and forth. Yeah. Andrew created riots yeah. on Twitter this weekend. Right. Would you like to go into that? I, well, I'm, I'm generally such a novice when it comes to incoming freshmen and I, I threw on, uh. Which which podcast was it? One of the campus to Kent ones. I, I guess it was the the future freshman one, right? With Brandon, and then he brought on all the all the all the friends. Uh, Jared Jared was on it. Mitch Mitch Hart was on it, and they did a 
freshman draft uh, with the idea of being 12 picks per round. And I, I guess they played out three rounds. I only got through the first round though, when I was running on Saturday and I was run, I was on vacation, but so it was like, it was like fairly loud where I was running. So I, I thought it was realistic that I could have just missed a pick or two. And, but I, I thought it was odd when I got done that I didn't hear Kate Klubik go at all in the first round. So I, I tweeted at them. And I was like, yeah, I feel like an idiot. I just missed this or like, let's go with that. And the, uh, where it netted out was that Klubnik didn't go until the eighth pick in the third round. So I saved myself a ton more of time of gaslighting myself because I would have gone through all round two and probably would have had to go play back round one to be like, I must have missed, this, missed where this happened. Because I, I just, I mean, again, I'm, I'm such a novice at the, at, when it comes to freshmen, generally speaking, because I mean, everything that my, my, all my thoughts are just kind of formed by what I, what I, what I read more than just try, really processing anything firsthand. But uh, I mean, I just, I starting at pick 1.02, I'm like, I was thinking, okay, Klubnik should be going any pick now and it just didn't happen. So I don't know. I, I think it's interesting. Like i my my tape grinding of about ten seconds of one play of his tells me that that dude has that has that baseball athleticism that like just that gets my heart fluttering when a guy can just whip the ball like that. There, nothing will drive me to a quarterback quicker than like than seeing that. Like I, in hindsight, I don't know why I wasn't more on Radler. I, I guess I got I feel like I got lucky just by generally being the the guy that wants to be contrarian and not necessarily take a QB early because Radler checks that box. Like the dude just whips the ball over the place. It's so, it's so effing cool. Uh, but Klubnik, like, I don't know if you've seen him at all, but like dude can, dude can kind of just scramble around and throw it. Like he's like, yeah, he's just uh, thro- throwing off a crow hop. And I don't know, like that, that's, that's all I need to see. The dude's good to go. Um, but I don't know. I think people are scared of that offense, right? Like I think there's, you have, I don't know. Sometimes it's weird. You almost want like the starting quarterback at your, the school you're going to, to be very, very good. So he just gets out of the way. Yeah. Like what, what it's a possibility that like DJU is, is good enough to keep starting, but like not go to the pros. And then all of a sudden like club Nick is just like chilling for a couple of years. It's yeah. it's not like likely, but it's possible. What a, I don't know much about, like I've heard Drew Aller is like a huge, guy for some of those c2c guys but like it's james franklin like i feel like that's kind of like the same offense in a sense where it's like not super exciting like sean clifford's not getting picked high you know like yeah what's what are we thinking with aller like between the two i'm guessing you would want klubnik but like what would it take for you to want aller over him i don't think i mean i feel like every report you were hearing on aller this spring is that like he's in no position right now to challenge for that starting job at any time in the early portion of this year, which, and I feel like I would need to hear things strongly the opposite of that to push me at all in his direction relative to Klubnik. I think that like the most interesting part of trying to process how to feel about Klubnik is where do you think the direction of the Clemson program generally goes? And you can make an you can make a cogent argument for pretty much any direction. I think, right? You can make the argument that they're going to get back to being Clemson that we've seen more or less every year outside of this past year. You can make an argument that things are going to be 
pretty static uh, relative to last year for the foreseeable future of leaning on the defense more than anything else. You can make an argument that the program's ready to decline. Like I, I wanted to talk myself out of that one. Um, that that was not a possibility. With uh, but like programs, it feels like I mean, generally speaking, they, they can even like some great ones like Florida State, right? That that. I feel like there were probably signs for that, and a lot of them were kind of recruiting related, right? Um, but that the death of when I guess death isn't the right word, but the decline of that program probably happened quicker than a lot of people thought. We, I've seen tweets from your boy Debbie Warehouse talking about how Clemson is just they're recruiting like what the effort they do and taking like zero star recruits in some in their class and stuff like that. Uh, like that, like. You can definitely make the argument, I think, that a lot of the, the weird stuff that Dabo does in terms of instilling culture, bringing, bringing in people that fit his culture at the expense of – yeah, exactly, at the expense of talent. Like those things eventually catch up to you when you don't have T-Law and ETN just uh, and T winning all over the field. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean – I mean, I think like there's teams that have windows and have they have – they, is their window shut? I guess is kind of your question, right? Do they get? Do, are they still in their window to win, or is is their time gone now? I mean, it's the yeah. ACC. I think, like, is their their window shut? Like, in terms of like realistically competing for a national championship, right. I would say yeah. The I think you have to have a quarterback, right? And they don't have a quarterback. Not that we've seen. I mean, but how- they're also the ACC, so like they have the opportunity to get there. But how, how much of their offensive struggles is strictly the quarterback position? Like, if they have a good quarterback, are they now just a juggernaut again? I, I feel like it's deeper than that. I don't know. I'm a, I've always been under the impression that, like, in, in the camp of if you have a great quarterback, like a legit quarterback, you can you can you get can pay rid of tracks. bad coaching issues. Because especially in college, right, like – almost all these guys that are great college quarterbacks can also run. So like you can make up for mistakes and bad stuff. Right. I don't know. It's just kind of like a really interesting way to look at like, you know, Virginia, you know, you got Brandon Armstrong and there's a lot of people that are like super down on their offense. And I get it. Cause like maybe the offense that's going there, like that coordinator and their past tendencies say one thing, but it, like, to me, it's like, when you have like that much skill and talent, like smart coaches don't typically smart coaches should just let them do their thing and then get dumb when they get their own players in. <laughs> That's just me. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think ACC, they're always going to be in play with the players that they're getting. Like they are still getting really good players. So the ACC is always going to be in play, but in terms of like national title um, relevancy, I don't know. I guess we'll have to see because if DJU just doesn't progress, they're a, I mean, they're probably still a 10 win team. We, we can get to that later if we want to, but um, no, I, I think, I think quarterback play will absolutely help them, but I don't know. I think, I think it's deeper than just quarterback. All right. Um, so do we want to just go ahead and jump into our, um, team win totals do we want to talk real quick about double buys 
Oh, and I then go into completely forgot about double buys. Chris, the actually, I don't know if it was Chris, but I'm assuming it was Chris who was not tweeted, out, tweeted out from the um BTR Twitter account that there were quite a few teams that have double buys this year. Fan tracks um loaded those in. So, Chris. Is there any teams that you think uh, – actually, let me pull up the list. Yeah, pull it up. First of all, it is amazing to have it. Like, it is so difficult to worry about, like, for this, these tight end premium leagues, you know, when you're drafting defenses, it's so annoying to have to spend the extra time on, like, the bye week. So, right. it is very nice. It also created about 30 minutes of excitement slash extreme – scared moments of my life looking at past best ball drafts to see if I really screwed myself over. Mm, yeah. What and I actually did not. There was one or two sketchy situations, but otherwise pretty good. I was pretty yeah. Happy I myself. feel like I already won the leagues just cause I kind of hit hit lottery there. I, um, yeah. I don't know if you noticed. So I assume they'll correct it. Well, they will they definitely will. But right now, if you look at, for instance, your team roster page, and it's got that column with the bye weeks on it. And then if you click into a player, the individual schedules, everything is moved up a week. So, for instance, San Jose State opens week one against some scrub. I think it's Portland State. But it lists them at week zero when you're looking at the individual, the, like the full schedule in Chevin's page. Yeah. Um, so the bye week when you're looking at the schedule is one week earlier than the correct one, which is on the team roster page. Right. Okay. Which, so, which threw me off for like a, so, so this came out while, while I was on vacation and I obviously was drinking and analyzing my college fantasy football teams. So I couldn't understand why, like I was triangulating the team roster page to the individual <laughs> players to FBS schedules. And I couldn't understand why something was clearly off, but that's, yeah. the, that's the answer to that riddle. Okay, so as you can see here, if you are watching the um, video version of this, I have the um, all all the teams that have double buys, and I keep clicking it off. Why do I keep doing that? Okay. Um, <laughs> so there's quite a few. Um, I think Florida State having two, uh, Wyoming having two, Northwestern has two, Illinois, Vandy, the most surprising to me is North Carolina. Okay, yeah, Nevada, North Carolina, Utah State, yeah. But I think the most fantasy relevant ones are Nevada, North Carolina. New Mexico State, right? We've, yeah, of course, New Mexico State. We've talked a lot about North Texas and, like, what their offense could be if they figure that out, like, if you, if you nail the right guy type of thing. But largely, if you're on this list, you're not winning seven games this year. <laughs> I used that's, to that's my I, takeaway. I used to avoid all players that had double buys in our best ball drafts so like as a rule uh, but I've, I've matured a little bit or maybe I just didn't have access to the buy info on Fantrax's page and was just drafting off of who I liked uh, up until now but yeah I mean I'll, there's dude there's did you mention that Utah, Utah State is in yeah, here, Chris? Utah State. Utah State, yep, that's a good one. That's a good yeah. one. Mm -hmm. Nevada, we no, we no longer care about though, with uh, everyone migrating to Colorado State. Like, so I DraftKings put out full week one uh, spreads for every game, with the exception of the ones that are FCS, as best I can tell, that involve an FCS team. I'm not, 
FanDuel's got a ton of different games, but I don't know if they have a full week one slate. Like they've got, it seems like they have all like more games across the entire year and DraftKings has added more games across the type, type the, the duration of the year. But initially over the weekend, DraftKings just dropped all week one, excluding and week zero, excluding FCS. Um, but the, the, I was, and I was looking at, it, I was like, well, I, you, I'm not a good spread better. Uh, so I'm just probably going to avoid this, but I was like, Oh, let me see. Maybe they like flipped the line or something. The only game that like re- I was really close to betting was Nevada's week one, not week zero. Cause they play week zero as well. Week one, they play Texas state and they're 10 and a half point favorites. And I was like, ah, they fucking like Nevada sucks, dude. Like last we saw of them was that Western Michigan game. Like, Texas State can keep it within ten, um, but I'm. You know, I hear they have a really tall uh, QB. You, you you think Nate Cox is going to start for them? They brought in Illingsworth. I know. I'm just more joking. It like the fact that the whole whole game, all they talked about was how tall how tall that guy was. Like it's like you got nothing else. It was to talk wild about. watching that guy trying to move around the football field. Oof. Yeah. Uh, all right, we can move off of this. Um, I want. I'm glad you brought it up, though. I did mean to. Talk about it. I think um, it's what, really, really interesting. I think largely double buys, you know, okay, back to a happy draft for sure. If you're, if you're, if you're picking, like, I think the number one guy I can think of out of this whole group is like Josh Downs, right? Like UNC receiver stud. If you're picking him at like 22, like maybe you take Nathaniel Dell over him or something because of it. But like, I think Andrew's right, largely, especially in like a best ball format. You know, you're looking for like the guy that's going to produce the upside and that type of stuff. And I think you can just say, you know what, like, eh, I didn't get it for this week, but if he's that good of a talent, then I'm good with it. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a coin flip type thing. It's more to me. Right. No, that's a good statement there. Um, I also want to talk about real quick. I got the email. If you guys got it about Fantrax new notes feature, I've never really used the notes. I'm really not even sure how it really works, but it's new, right? No, well, they've always had you've been able to like do notes. Like if you scroll to the bottom, I guess on the desktop, if you scroll all the way to the bottom, it's always like a notes. um, You could put notes on your own player, like a player. That's what they're doing, right? If you go to your like if in your um, league, it says like there's a other tab. There's a notes tab, and you can add a note. That sounds like something that you've concocted so you can understand and see everything that we think about our guys. Uh, maybe. But no, I, I don't – I guess there's not really much to say. I just thought maybe you guys had more insight on the notes feature. You guys well, even- it reminds me of um, back – like I remember playing online poker uh, before Black Friday uh, in like when I was in college in like 2006, 2007. And party poker had this feature as well, where you can write pl- notes on other players in that player. It was the, it was, in some ways the greatest, and but also in some ways like the weird, like it's kind of like a weird thing to be able to like write notes about another player's username and have it follow that player. And next time they pop up at your table, it's like, oh, what, what did I write about that person? Oh, they're they're horrible. Okay, let me call or try and bluff them or whatever. <laughs> um, so th- it, this kind of reminds me of that, just in the sense that it's at the same the same level of grain, um, like at the at the player level. Um, did you see Dan tweeted at us that basically that's a conspiracy that there's no, like, <laughs> yeah, I, which I could t- totally get. Like, maybe, what if this is queryable via API or 
commissioners can see it or something like that. Uh, yeah, fat chance. I, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I would. I I laughed for sure, and I appreciate him saying that because I think that's like right up our alley in terms of like right. how we think. Right. But I think it's just like an interesting feature that's not really going to be like I would never use that feature. Like I just don't know how I would use that. Right. Like it makes sense for like poker players like in your uh previous story because it's like okay well this guy means nothing to me this this login or whatever means nothing it it could make sense what if i told you that those notes follow to the draft room so check this out so like let's pick any player here you guys you guys can see it right okay all right so i click here's sam howell whatever i can says add note i can click that and then type in he sucks and save it and then like every time i click on him i guess it pops up that oh yeah he sucks i should just move on is that like under the latest news <laughs> he sucks <laughs> i mean i don't know i mean i guess it could be like if you are doing I think for the draft side of things andrew is right like there's some value there like okay well great like maybe you know maybe tight end defense option where you're like trying to pick like a good player for like the bye week of another player and like that's like that's beyond the scope of like a typical research note. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's it's something if you if you well, got it's, it's attempting to shift the paradigm, or at least start the conversation for shifting the power paradigm of where you're doing your college football research, right? So much of it's done offline, right? In the in the form of Google Docs and stuff like that, or at least I, that's how I do it. I centralize all, all that stuff and then access it like on my way to work, whatever, or just uh, chill on my phone. So. There's lots of, uh, like, they would need to do a lot more, I think, to get me to the point where I'm doing my actual research in fan tracks, for instance, rolling over uh, rolling over to the next year or the day after the national championship would be a good start. <laughs> um, but not sending 12 yeah, I mean, emails. if you're, if you're, I'm open to, I can be wooed, uh, yeah. right? I, I find myself channeling my inner customer because I work in SaaS. And so, like, my customers complain about stuff and they just want, like, one thing over another. And I think Andrew, you can appreciate this for sure. It's like, you just spent time creating this. Why didn't you just do that? Like, why didn't you spend your time and resources on this other feature instead? Like, this is dumb. Give me this instead. Um, (laughs) But I think you're kind of right. Like, I think there could be, they're trying to like bring you all back into it. And like, you're right. Like if you're on a subway and you're just like looking at stuff and you think something is interesting, you jot a note down it carries over to back when you get in the, you know, in the office or back at home, it's on the desktop. Like it makes sense. Um, it's just not like anything super sexy, I think. Okay. So I've just been trying to like mess around and see if like, cause Andrew said something about, does it translate to like the draft room? Yeah. 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 And it does the new draft room. Yeah. The new, new draft cool. room is tight. Yeah. Great job. Fan tracks. Nice. Give them props there. Yeah, this is actually the first time I've really sat down and looked at. It. I don't do all the drafts you guys do. Yeah, I was, be- I was so ready to to hate on it, but unfortunately, it, yeah. there's not much, there's not really anything negative I can say. It pops. What I would say is like something that I would love for them to do, and I think everybody would agree, especially like Josh and Kyle, those auto drafters, is mm. like having the ability to have like a pre-sorted ranking that you could just import. You know. Mm-hmm you could go into a best ball and boom, all of a sudden you have your top 100 players that you've already created. I saw their conversation about this and I I think you can upload rankings, but what you can't do is upload a queue, which is like a, 
like it's splitting hairs almost, but yeah. I don't think, yeah, I think that's the distinction. Uh, and they want to be able to upload cues. I could see where it gets yeah. really difficult for like supplemental type situations because it's like, well, Michael Triggs available in this league, but he's not available in this league. How do we, how do we allow you to import your Q rankings? Like that makes sense that there's some confusion there, but like in a brand new yeah. league, it's like, it'd be nice. Like there's zero variables getting in the way. Like it'd yeah, be yeah. nice, but I get it. I get it. It's a wish list. Right. All right. Now I think we can get to our, um, what everybody's been waiting for. What everybody's been waiting for the the win totals. Um, our three teams. I'm gonna start it off. Um, I know in the Discord, you know, we ask, and every time we get this team, Corey and, Cavender hit a, hit us up about it too, I believe, and he's yeah. an OG follower. So I will go ahead and put it up on the screen. We will talk Wisconsin. All right, you guys. You guys see the schedule. Maybe, maybe a little bit zoom in. Okay. Maybe just a smidgen, smidgen. There we go. That's better. Thank you. All right. Week one, Illinois State. We're going to give them a win, right? Yeah, I think so. Yep. Okay. Washington State at home. Week two. Win? No reason not to. Agreed. Okay. New Mexico State at home. Got to be a win, right? So they're three now. I, I I have personally appointed with no uh, no dispute from anyone because no one wants to be any sort sort of uh, leader and for this kind of thing. But I personally appointed myself to uh, project manage the scoping of our my college football trip that me and my buddies go on this year. And that that game, the Wisconsin Ohio State game, is being considered or that for a few different reasons, right? Likelihood of both teams being three and zero. If Ohio State gets by Notre Dame, which presumably they should week one, then it's three and zero, three and zero. Pretty weak slate in week four. Chances of game day high. Um, so I would like to potentially be at that game. Generally, like we we like to do things that are a little uh, a little more in the south, uh, but we also have been going a little later in the year, so. Uh, big, t- I think this will, will be our first Big Ten game if we do this. So that's, right. I feel like that's got the highest probability or very high probability of like a three versus nine that yeah. is like forty-two to seven. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like like if you tell me like here's twenty games, which one is the lo- most likely to be a blowout? Yeah, of top ten match. But I think you nailed it, right? Like it's very much going to be three zero versus three zero. Like you're gonna have. Those are two very typical great Big Ten teams. It's a West first East in terms of Big Ten. It's a very cool game. At Ohio State's awesome. My parents went there a couple of years ago when Michigan State got blown out at night, and they said it was amazing. My parents don't like fun. So so lost then. But yes, lost. <laughs> I was reading an article on the, the, the project did game day site for each week and oh, so ohio state Notre dame is apparently already game day week one i didn't know that but this article said as much and that is at ohio state so and then mm. the article also predicted that this would be game day week four but i don't like game day's done stuff like that before where they just go back to the same place after a short yeah. duration but it always feels like the worst decision to me um so i mean it, i guess you can't really rule it out because 
they do it right it seems like every single year there it's like oh we were they, dude they did georgia like twice in three weeks uh last year right they were there for like kentucky and arkansas or something like that uh so i mean it's definitely possible but it feels ridiculous to, uh, like, to i feel to like florida game. tennessee might be a better game so that's the week after right week four i thought that was week five uh, according well i guess okay so week zero so i guess technically so you did you make five. the mistake no i'm on fb schedules oh okay no wisconsin at ohio state's week four and so is florida at tennessee really maybe i made the mistake when i was trying to discuss mm. this with my friends because i proposed florida tennessee initially and i thought i thought that was october 1st um but perhaps I mean, I it isn't a very good weekend now you're dead on like i'm yeah. looking at this real quick tcu smu is cool for the gens like us yeah Texas, Texas Tech, Notre Dame at UNC, but they already did. Why would they go to UNC to watch Notre Dame again? Yeah. Uh, that's a good, I mean, you're not wrong. They've done it before. It yeah. always seems like bad ideas, but, like, where else could they go to? So, like, okay, so let's say they don't do a, a top 25 matchup. Arkansas let's, A&M. Let's, that's a, yeah, that could be a good one. Or but you could go FCS. What kind of SCS, FCS Army Navy type matchup do we have available? You know, because they always love doing stuff like that. But I don't see anything that pops out. Yeah. It's, it's I, an L, though. <laughs> Long story short, it's an L. Um, all right, let me get to – there we go. So now they're three and one. They get uh, Illinois you know, at, the, at this point in the season, do we think – Chaz Malusi is getting any sort of real run. Is he back from whatever? I, he ripped his knee up, right? Uh, pretty late in the season. I think, think he hits the. Bra- I think he hits the portal by end of Illinois. <laughs> yeah, after Braylon, after Braylon, Braylon gets 150 carries in the first four games. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So three and one play Illinois. Four and one. Four and one at Northwestern. Five, five and one. one. Yeah. At Michigan State. This one's toss up to me. I, I lean Wisconsin. I lean Wisconsin, but Michigan State always wins these types of games at home. It's probably going to be at like 8 p.m. on ABC for some reason. You know, they're going to defy all logic. You know, I'm saying I can see it both ways. I'm cool with a loss. I think both Michigan schools uh, have worse years this year than they did last year. So I will give Michigan. I will give Wisconsin that one. So we're leading loss though, because two of us took loss. Okay. Is that fair? Yeah. All right. All right. So, so now, now homecoming against Purdue. Andrew. The problem's gonna be when we get to Purdue and I have them going 12 and 0. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a win. It's homecoming. I mean, you gotta win for homecoming. <laughs> I mean, Purdue's offense seems to be getting thinner and thinner by the week, right? Like, with this Milton Wright stuff. I'll give them a win. And that was, like, what's carrying them, right, is their offense. Mm -hmm. Like, if we were on Purdue already, it was because their offense can put up some points. You're you're thinking of things through a fantasy perspective. Like, they still have, I I think, lots of guys who can contribute. And, look, look, we saw – when they played Tennessee and they just threw whoever out on the field and O'Connell threw for 600 yards uh, to with the main receiver being a guy with tor- two torn ACLs. So you didn't have three. No, but Wisconsin's <laughs> also usually has an amazing defense. So like, I'm not 
Like it, I think it matters more against a Wisconsin than it does against the sure. Giants team. You're yeah, not wrong I mean, though. You're not wrong. They like if, good if systems. You're trying, if we're trying to get the most amount of games right, I guess you you can't pick Purdue to win that game. Okay, so a win for Wisconsin. We'll see what happens when we pick Purdue's schedule. <laughs> we're worried about Purdue. What are we going to? There's two of us against one of you, Andrew. So you're in trouble. So That's all I gotta say. We talked about this. I think it was before you jumped in. Um, we're going to have a lot of like if you go back and look at um, some of our picks. Like, oh, we had a team win nine games, and then then we have like a team later on that we pick, and we actually flip our pick, but we don't remember who we picked the first time. So it's very possible that. We come back when we do Purdue. It's like, oh yeah, we'll, they'll beat Wisconsin. Who we'll, knows? We'll, we just chalk it up to being Bayesian, right? Processing new information as it comes in. Exactly. Exactly. Our, our opinions shift with the facts. Yep. Perfect. All right. So now bye week. Then they get Maryland at home again. They got a lot of home games. Like I feel <laughs> like they, almost every game's been at home. I think they're um, ending all on the road. But yeah, they've got to go that way. All right. So they got Mar- Maryland at home. Win. I the win at yeah. Iowa loss. I'm down with that. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Okay. At Nebraska. Win. A win to me. They have a double bye, therefore they're not good. Win. <laughs> and then they close um, at home with Minnesota. How wild is it that all they had to do was beat Minnesota last year and they were in the Big Ten title game <laughs> and they couldn't get it done? Like, so, do you remember that like, in the yeah. last week of the season? It, it was winning in against. And they blew it. It just it, a disgusting game all the way around. A true Minnesota Wisconsin game. <laughs> all right, so we picked them to beat Minnesota this year. So we have t- two losses for them. Iowa, we have, three. We have three, three. We have Ohio State, Michigan State, Iowa. <laughs> so that's nine wins, right? Wisconsin, yeah, nine wins. Let me go ahead and log it. By the way, we are going to post this spreadsheet that we have that tracks all of our um, win totals that we've um, concocted. But they don't play Michigan. That's wild. They like. I feel like they always play Michigan. They don't. This year. They don't. Yeah. So we have them going nine and three. All right. Um, Do you want to know uh, what their their win total is presently? Sure. Of course. Do you want to guess? I'm going to say eight and a half. Nine and a half. half. Eight and a half. But juice to the over. (sighs) Okay. Very nice, Zach. Very nice. So nine wins is right on the money. Yeah. I think the next thing we do, based on the chatter this morning on Twitter, should be Washington State. Is this – I didn't hear the host. uh, This is the Cameron Ward chatter. Yeah. I think we have to. I think Cameron Ward is like they, Josh and Jared did a great job talking about. It. No need to talk about it. Listen to Chasing the Natty. We're, we're cool with, with pitching yeah. other people's content. They did a great <laughs> job of talking about it. I am very weary of Cameron Ward, but he also he has three years of eligibility. So it's very interesting. But um, who doesn't have three years of eligibility, Chris? That whole list that Nate put out, CFF, got, uh, CFF Nate, was yeah. amazing. What a degenerate. And, and, I loved and, it. I, and I, I mean loved that, it. and I mean it in the best way possible. Like I saw that list, I'm like, that it's impressive. I have to give him 
even that one. Like I would favorite spent any time doing that. I think my favorite part was that he was listing guys that he was genuinely interested in that are like completely random. And I loved every second of it. Well, he probably threw in some uh, some guys to throw you off the trail too, right? I mean, I assume, that, I assume that's how his mind works. Well, that's what I would do. That's but, definitely how his mind works. Yeah. I, I got midway through the the chasing Natty segment though of the camera ward discussion, so I can I can you can tell where the conclusion's going to net net out. It's a love fest, right? But um, but. Yeah, I actually Jared Love Fest, Josh non Love Fest. He, really? he throws out some really good past examples. I was listening right at the beginning of it. I was like, wait a second, Dakota Pro Cup or whatever that guy's name was. Yeah, 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 it was yeah. awful. And then Josh went right into it in terms of past Pac 12 quarterbacks coming from FCS. He had some really good stuff. I think That's he actually cool. did research beforehand. Which what, was what's that? intriguing. I don't know what that is, know what that yeah. is either, but yeah. props to him. But yeah, yeah. Washington State. All right, well, our... Washington State. Um, it's they actually played Wisconsin, so it's what happened good... to the version of the schedule where I could look smart by by calling out what the FCS team mascot is. You should. We showed a version previously where it didn't say what the the mascot was. Uh, I don't know. And we can. We can circle back to that for next time. Was it yeah. Portland State that we were trying to figure yeah, out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Vikings. Yeah, why? <laughs> Maybe FBS. I don't like, I don't like, like I don't having access know. to the, I'm not want this to look at the answer sheet before I solve the puzzle. Let's put it that way. Hmm. All right. Well, they start off with Idaho. Win. It's not at the Kibbe Dome. <laughs> if so. it was at the Kibbe Dome, it would be a different story. But yeah, yeah, so. Yeah. so, win. Um, at Wisconsin, we've already said loss. We can't we can't flip flop on the same episode. Yeah, next week maybe. But yeah. <laughs> right, all right. Colorado State game of the year candidate in oh, Pullman. <laughs> in Pullman. In Pullman. I mean, in my book, it's an L. In Pullman. So what? I, I what can ride with you that. to the L. What takes you to the L? Is it because Cameron Ward is not good? And no, it's, it's, it's too early for him to then to realize it. Is. I think Colorado State is is really good. Okay. I could ride with the L there. I could do that. I can do it. Okay. Then they go Oregon or they get Oregon at home in Pullman week four. Uh, are we gonna say loss? That's a loss, yeah. Um, then they get Cal week five at home. Again, another four of the first five games are at home. I mean, that's generally what you see for power five schools though, right? Like they're gonna schedule non con with a. Try and load up on some home games. Yeah. So they get Cal at home. We're going to say win. I lean win because Cal is never fun or good. But so <laughs> it's, that's, being, that's a tough one. What is, your, what is your opinion of Washington State coming into this year? I feel like we base – we're probably basing a lot of assumptions based on their strong close last year. But there had to have been a lot of turbulence coming out of – last year under mm-hmm. under the surface just oh, yeah. given how much changed um within the program right like i think we i think we're operating as a community that okay things ended really well and now you bring in up this fun offense and it's wheels up smooth sailing and maybe it does play out that way but like just get chalking them for win 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 um and 
similarly, right? Thinking about best case scenario from on the offensive front. I got now. I'm so excited to hear Josh just rail against uh, Cameron Ward in the upcoming minutes of the <laughs> chasing Natty that I need to that, that I'll, I'll put on probably in the next day or two. Uh, but like, I think just giving them blind W's, uh, like it could go. It would be that surprising if they were struggling to qualify for a bowl. No, no, not at all. But we've also only given them W's over Idaho and Cal. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. you know, we gave them, we gave them the loss against Colorado State. Like, if if we're doing that, like, you know that we're we're down for. Yeah, I can't believe I talked you into that one. <laughs> you talked Zach, no. and I didn't have an. No, I, I I feel like I that would have been a toss up for me. Yeah, like I think if that's at Colorado State, I have no hesitation. I think they're going to win. I think they're going to win a couple games they shouldn't, and then they're just going to lose games they should, right? Like, I think Colorado State in, on paper is a game they should win. They'll lose by two touchdowns. Then they'll come in here and win at Stanford, which is nothing crazy, but like on the road against a team that typically plays like decent football, like, yeah, you know, that type of stuff is interesting. But right. so yeah. Cal, we're, we're going with a loss. I mean, a win. I'm sorry, a win. You yeah. can give it to them. Do you remember how fun like they that, that was the game of the year when it was Sonny Dykes and Mike Leach, and now we're the Cal <laughs> program is dead, dead to yeah. me. They won. They beat them twenty-one-six last year. Beat Cal. Yeah, so they're two and three right now in Cal. Yeah, two and three. All okay. right, so then they, then they go at USC. Loss. Loss. Got to be a loss, right? All right, then at Oregon State, I'm going to say loss. So they're two and five. Yeah, I would agree. Like that's going to be like a 11 p.m. Pac-12 Network game. You're gonna like. I'm gonna literally be watching GameCast because I rostered the Oregon State tight end, and it's just gonna be <laughs> a long night. All right, then they go bye week. Then Utah loss. Not good, Bob. They get them at home, but it's a loss. At Stanford. Ugh. I mean, they're two and six right now at this I'm point, give right? Them a win. Yeah, I say like, if they're going to win another game, it's got to be that one or Arizona, dude. They, no, they got not, some wins they're coming. Not they got some Arizona wins State. coming. I yeah, they got wins coming for my for my wallet. Okay, so we've got them losing Utah. We're going to give them the win against Stanford. I like loss. Yeah, I think Stanford turns things around about this year. Yeah, okay. I know I just said that they'll win a game that they're supposed to lose, but like I think they're supposed to lose it. I'm gonna take the like the what should happen and go with it. They so should we'll lose give, that. Standard. I'm cool. Give them a loss. So Arizona State at home, they get them in Pullman. I think they win that one. I don't think Arizona State's any good. No, but, we, but we've awful, determined dude. Washington State's not any good either. <laughs> but that's at home. You never, you know, what did we didn't we already do our Arizona State? What do we have cool. them at? God, what what did we have them at? Hold on, we had them at like five. So we have Arizona. We have Arizona State at five. I don't remember who we picked here. It's Washington State's winning that game. Okay, fine. I like the win. Win at Arizona. Give give them that. So we'll give them that one. Yep. I mean, it's a it's revenge. It's a revenge game. The Apple Cup to close out. They get Washington at home. I don't. I got a loss there. Yeah. They just – I feel like they never show up against Washington. And a lot yeah. of it's because Washington's defense has been so good. Or Did like – They, beat, good, they slaughtered speaking. Washington last year. Yeah. But besides that, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, especially if they move back into air raid. 
Like that's when Washington was feasting on them. And with DeBoer this year, I mean, maybe it's not perfect year one, but, but it'll be end of the year. Yeah. Maybe they'll get in a groove a little bit of like some, yep. some yeah. offense. That's it's enough. Okay. So in recapping this, we have one, two, three, four, five. Arizona. The two right, Arizona, right? Well, hold on. We got Arizona, Arizona State. We gave them both of those. Okay, we so have four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lost to Stanford. Yep. Yeah. So we're gonna say they're going four and eight. That's our that's our call. So the the What's win total the win total. Do you want to guess the win total? Five and a half. It is I five and a half. It is five yeah. and a half. Is with, it? With, at, but the under is minus one seventy. So everyone is coming to the same conclusion we are. So we're the, I guess we're the sheep, right? We're the public being led to slaughter <laughs> and leading our our uh, our base to slaughter as well. All right, one more team, Andrew. Would you have a choice? I, I didn't realize that the, like it was our that the, it was going to come to us. And the, so actually, you know what? I, I don't have. If you have a team you want to pick, that's cool. But I want to go to the Discord if you. No, have. yeah, I I have no preference. You can do whatever you want. Okay, um, a couple we already did Wisconsin. Uh, where is it? Oh, there's Clemson, Miami, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, or A and I I kind of like the Miami in spirit with the Andrews T-shirt. Perfect. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, Miami. You guys see that? Yeah, Bethune Cookman isn't the school. That's not the one where the guy comes running with his helmet in that Miami game and slams the other guy. Do you remember this fight? My, it was Miami against some FCS school. It might have been Florida, Florida A&M. Florida A&M. Uh, where it, I think it was Bethune Cookman, wasn't it? It's it's either that or Florida A&M. I think I'm leaning Florida A&M now, but it's still an excuse to talk about it. Like, that video <laughs> is great. Um. I, I guess we can give them a dub over Bethune, though. <laughs> yeah, I would think so. All right, they get Bethune could win at home, win Southern Miss at home. Southern Miss is like so. G five totals haven't been released yet, but blindly, not even being considerate of the schedule, I just want to bet the over on them so much because I, I have a lot of belief in belief in the direction of the program. The schedule is obviously not as nice as you would like with yeah. the inclusion of Miami. I think they also got. Tulane and, Li- and Liberty and non-con, so not optimal. But I would still like to bet the over on them. I don't, think they, think, I don't, I don't think they win this game, though. Their it's number like, is going to be super low, but I love their coach. Dude, I love he's great. their coach is like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to roll out some running backs at quarterback today. Let's see what happens. <laughs> and it worked. So, yeah. I mean, they def- Miami definitely wins it for sure. But Yeah, yeah. Yep. All right, so then the third game at AM. So this is the, this is that classic game on AM schedule that buys Jimbo another three year extension <laughs> of guaranteed money. So or justifies I, thought, I forget it, who tweeted least. it. It might have I forget who tweeted it, uh, but so someone was talking about Jimbo is the master at pandering to his base and and bringing and accentuating all the positive things that he's done and just getting all the negatives kind of thrown out the window in terms like it, three of his seasons are like nine wins, eight wins, eight wins out of four seasons that he's been there. But 
based on the opinion of the fans of Jimbo, you'd think that he's ripping off Nash- Natty's left and right. And this, like, this is the game that will get them there this year, right? He's going to lock up another guaranteed like uh, $12 million for another three years. That, that can, and that guaranteed is ironclad guaranteed. No matter what he does, you know he's getting that money. It's that kind of yeah. guarantee. And What's that, interesting? What's interesting is that usually when you win eight, nine games with the recruiting classes that he has, you'd think that he'd get tore up, right? But you're right. Somehow he has this way of like flipping it into like, I did a great job by winning nine games. Dude, they were they threw, they were <laughs> partying when they lost to Clemson by like a one score three years ago. Like it, he he was celebrating yeah. after the game, and everyone was like, "Wow, great job, Jimbo! Like, you, made, <laughs> you made that game close." Uh, yeah, it's it's masterclass. So Miami's a loss. Or, I mean, uh, A&M's a loss. Yeah, it's a loss. All right. So then they go to middle, get Middle Tennessee at home. We'll say win. Yep. Yeah. So three and one, going into their early week five bye. Then they come back a home again against North Carolina. So win to me. Win. Okay, I, I go with win. Andrew. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. All right. At Virginia Tech, Chris. I think it's, I think it's a win. Out. I just don't think that Tech's. I think Texas six and six type team. I like where they're the, the head where they're headed, but I think this is going to be an average year at best. I just don't see a lot of routes to a lot of wins there. Okay. For Tech. So win for Miami. I was looking for the right segue. Um, when I, when we were on vacation this weekend, we stopped into a like an old school toy store and Mark, I was looking for like sports things, optimally like more, more Funkos of the college ones, but they didn't have any, Mm. Uh, but Margaret found this Chris. And I was like, Oh, I need that for my buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. A wooden toy, uh, Virginia tech train. Nice. When we eventually meet up, Amelia wanted to open it tonight, but I was like, Probably not. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, yeah. Duke at home. Win. Win. All right. At Virginia. That um, one's tricky. I, I, I'm gonna give them I'm gonna give them a loss. Yeah. I think Virginia could like just put up a ton of points. You are not buying into the narrative that Virginia doesn't do that well with the new offense. I'm not I mean, I understand Jared's point, like based on ADP, like, but like, I think that his per, her, her perspective is probably Brendan Armstrong is a fourth rounder. I would take him in the seventh. Like, I just don't buy that. Like, well, the idea is I'd that write... Elliot killed Clemson's offense, right? And now he's he's going to light this offense on fire as yeah, well. I, I just think I it's know. the first year. I don't think he kills it the first year. Yeah, I think he, Brendan he, Armstrong. He just lets the aliens uh, get the football. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's not going to happen yet. I think this the Virginia off. I love it because Virginia is going to be offensively garbage. Like I love it and uh, love them to be. And I just don't think it's going to happen yet. Yeah, it's yeah. fair. So loss to Virginia, Florida State. They get them at home. Win. You say that so um, confidently, dude. That that game. I, I, I feel I, like it's it continues to be. Like I a, think a, a true rivalry game, even though these like, you're right, but I feel like we already tr- 
trashed Florida State earlier in the podcast. That's fair. So you know what they say, I can't pick them to win. If I if I'm picking a winner, I've got to pick Miami. They have a double buy. They can't <laughs> win more than six games. So I think you have to go lost there for Florida State. Give the Miami Hurricanes the win. Yeah. Fine. All right. At Georgia Tech. It's a win. Win. All right. At Clemson. If they don't lose this, they're going to be 11 and 1, the way I look at it. I mean, well, this screams like 17. They lost, 16. To, they lost to AM. My bad. So they'd be 10 and 2. My this, bad. I don't have an issue going Clemson here because I think their defense yeah. is just going to be strong for sure. That I am worried good. about Miami's receivers. What is your expectation for the kind of offense that Gaddis installs? I think they're going to do something similar to Michigan with a tad, like with more passing. Like, I don't think they can, they're not going to run out to running backs like they did with Michigan. I also think that like Gaddis was interesting because at Michigan, they had two stud running backs clearly. And they had a very average offense with like Cade McNamara. So why would you push it? And they played a bunch of teams that were not good at stopping the run. So why wouldn't you just run it? Right. Like, yeah. and then they got up and then they ran it. Like, so I don't think like Van Dyke doesn't scare me. I think he's going to have a great year. The thing that would scare me is like, they have a bunch of guys that have done like proven nothing. And that is what scares me. Yeah. That yeah. was, I haven't done wise. real research into it, but that's the, the question in my book is, is Gaddis, is that his kind of offense that he ran at Michigan, or did he just lean into that because that was the strength of the team? And as, think, one, of, as one of your teams, I defer to you. Obviously. I think he leaned into it pretty hard, and I think Harbaugh is the type that's like we focus on winning first rather than potentially like if the way to win is to beat Washington by running it sixty times, we're going to run yeah. it sixty. Like if that guarantees me the win, which it did, they just. He's very adaptive. He's very adaptive to to the, get the win more so than to yeah. run to run his scheme. Gaddis, though, look at some of those games last year. He got pretty creative at the end. Like Iowa, he had uh, that Donovan Edwards touchdown pass. Yeah. Like Sainer still had some different like plays. Like so, I think that he could be creative. And I think think about all the athletes he's about to get at Miami too, right? Like yeah way more than Michigan, right? Like Michigan had some guys that like could to do some fun things, but you know, when you look at like the Miami guys, I don't, you know, I think it's fair to be kind of scared of like what their offense could be, but I think he leaned into it pretty hard with like just winning the game to get to the Ohio State game. Yeah. All right. So what's our verdict? Loss. Yeah. That's probably the toughest one for me to predict, but I would go loss. Yeah, and then they close out with Pitt at home. That game's supposed to be Black Friday, not traditionally speaking. That's the the Kenny Brick Pickett game is Black Friday against Pitt, um, or against Miami. Excuse me. I don't know what that game's doing on a Saturday this year. Isn't I that old like, school West Virginia though? What was that? Isn't that like a West Virginia thing where Pitt plays West Virginia on Black Friday? Now that's really old school, right? I mean, <laughs> that's the backyard brawl, right? That yeah. is very old school. It's being renewed this year. I, I'm not sure if you mm-hmm. noticed. Um, but 
So yeah, I say, assume that okay. game gets updated to Black Friday at some point. There, it's weird that it's, I mean, it's great that there's still adjustments being made in terms of the day of the week on which game the games are being played. Like it's my one of my favorite things in terms of just CFB offseason, like getting that F, FBS schedule push notification that a game has been changed to a weekday. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> What's really interesting is West Virginia renews the rivalry with Pitt. And then a couple of weeks later, they play Virginia Tech, and that is a very old school. Dude, I, I saw that. They did. We did it a couple of years ago. That fun game against, I think that was Will Greer. Yeah, dude. Labor Day night. That was an, yeah, that was an awesome game. No, it was fantastic. Yeah, and they're doing it again. Now, so. That same night, Rosen was coming back from thirty down against Texas A and M. Yes, you're right. You're right. But this West Virginia Virginia Tech game, not to sidebar, but is a Thursday night game, which is at tech which will be awesome which will be a cool experience that's super cool but yeah all right um we can wrap I think this we got them at nine and three right so we have them beating pit all right so nine and three they log that miami miami i said we will share this so nine wins for miami what uh, do you think it is listed at presently got to be right at nine nine and a half nine and a half eight eight and a half eight and a half with slight juice on the over finding four so four losses so you got the jimbo game the jimbo contract game yeah clemson and i i personally have a tough time giving a high likelihood of losing at virginia and so, then I guess the idea is that there's enough of the other games that have a decent loss probability where it makes the overall picture. Like the only other game I can look at the schedule and say, you know what, I wouldn't have a problem picking the other team. It'd be Florida State. All those what happens with Pitt this year. Look, well, what's it? You, you, we we glossed over Pitt. Um, just kind of gave him a win, right? But like, have you seen Pitt? From a rankings perspective, both analytically and just objectively, I feel like they open. They're opening. They're due to open very at a very high ranking, like top fifteen in the country. Which I don't agree with at all, uh, right. but I think that probably contributes to why the number is eight and a half. That's I feel like our nine wins is very conservative. Yeah. So I would be very. Like if I if I could do it legally because I don't mess around with that stuff on offshore stuff. Like I would bet the over. I wouldn't throw a lot on it, but I would yeah. throw something on it. On yeah, I agree. Over. over eight and a half feels nice. It's like I feel like we kind of stretched with Virginia, but I'm cool. Like yeah. I like that prediction. Clemson, I think they could win. Is it likely? It's probably like one of those like 60-40 Clemson wins. Yeah. You know. And then the other close one is AM. Like, do I think they win at AM? No, but like that's again like a 65-35 type. You know, like I don't like I think it's fairly close. So like to say that they win nine feels pretty safe. Yeah. I think nine's good. Um, especially if it's eight and a half. We're right on the money again. All right. Um, we're gonna close with that. Um we actually went a little longer than we normally do this time. But um, until next week, hopefully next week we can come back and do it again. But until next week, um, see you guys later.